0: babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardy. And what do you got?
1: Happy World Statistics Day, Joe. Um, I forgot to actually dig out any stats. Um, This is episode 228 of the podcast. There you go.
0: It, I guess that's a stat. There was a 98% chance I was going to understand what you were saying there. Coming up on today's show... Time to get to know some of the stream team. We've had Lex and Shaggy. Is it Shaggy or Spraggy?
1: Um, I think it's Shaggy, judging by Shag- the hat. We've had
0: Lex and Shaggy on plenty. Time to get to know the rest of the stream team. And we're knocking them off like villains in a Batman movie, two at a time today. Uh, we're going to be joined by one Georgina Reginald, a.k.a. G.J. Reggie.
1: Just to be clear, her name is Georgina James. And I do think that some people are going to start to think that we think her name is actually Georgina Reginald.
0: I I definitely did think that until right now. Georgina James is going to be on the show today. I'm going to cross that out of my notes. And the other is not... Pie! That's right, we are not having Pie Face Poker on the show. We are having Magin on the show today, a.k.a. Tom Hayward. Have we confirmed it's Magin, right? I asked ahead of time. Yes. But you know how people write things out phonetically badly? Yes. I was like, it's Magin like imagine. They're like, it's, ma- it's M-A-H-H-H. So, Magin nah. <laughs> nah. on the show today. Uh, two guests on today's show. One it's stupid a game. What's that? It's a twofer. A twofer. That's right. I always hated that when there's like, oh, the new Spider-Man's coming out and he's fighting Doc Ock and Sandman. And you're like, yo, like, just do one. Like, it's okay. There doesn't always have to be. But anyway, we're doing it today. Uh, Two guests, one stupid game. Uh, We'll also be running a mock, a.k.a. Ask Me One Question. And this week's super fan is John Lemke. And he attempted to force me to watch Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, good news and bad news. Bad news is I didn't rewatch this movie. Right. Uh, The good news is I saw it during the era where like things mostly stayed with me. So I do have a a decent recollection of sadly of Nick Fury, Agent (laughs) of S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you remember, were you like this back in the day where um, anything that came out Regarding comic books, I would consume it because not I was ready.
1: No, not at all. I didn't. I always kind of looked down a little bit on that kind of stuff. But uh, all of that old Marvel stuff that got made in the nineties, which is pretty much kind of scorned on right now, I I haven't seen.
0: Well, I hope I didn't give this guy the idea to to do this movie when I brought it up when Ryan oh, was on the show.
1: You did the quiz <laughs> with Ryan, of course. Yeah. Uh, now, normally we would start the podcast talking about movies and TV shows, but actually we're going to do it at the end today because, Joe, you finally saw the Bond movie. So last thing today. After I had the some Super time Franklin, for was, no time to die. <laughs> fantastic. We will discuss Bond. Yes, time for no time to die (laughs) Uh, what we do need to talk about though for the second week in a row is phil helmuth because we discussed his poor behavior last week and interestingly in case you didn't know guys we always release a section of the podcast normally a short clip on youtube now normally it's a section from one of our guest interviews but last week it was the conversation that joe and i had about helmuth and some interesting comments mostly civilized and most people saying yeah it's unacceptable you should have been penalized and it's inexcusable um A few people can't separate the personality from the player. And I want to be clear here. I was not criticizing Phil Helmuth as a player. I know a lot of people hate the way he approaches Hold'em and dislike his non-game theory optimal approach. I couldn't give a shit about that. I find his play goofy. I find it quirky, but it seems to work for him. And I have no problem with that. And it... Gets him results, as proved by the fact that he has just won bracelet number sixteen. It's a non-hold'em event as well, Joe. The fifteen hundred dollar no limit deuce to seven low ball draw event. So I guess karma isn't a thing. The good news is we won't need any fire trucks at the Rio because he has won a bracelet. He is a World (laughs) Series of Poker Champion once again. But I do have evidence that I'm starting to believe my own theory from last week that he's playing a character, that this isn't the real Phil Hellmuth because no one, no one could tweet this in all sincerity. I skipped WSOP bracelet ceremonies because I do not need more ego and more attention. I need to keep my head down and stay focused. In 2018, Ty Stewart told me I need to do it for my fans. So my bracelet ceremony is today at 1.30 in the Brasilia room. Hashtag positivity. That cannot be real.
0: Wait, so he just talked himself out of going to the bracelet ceremony and then back into going to the bracelet ceremony all in the span of a tweet?
1: claiming that he doesn't need the ego boost.
0: Look, I mean, he's right about that, right? He's right that he doesn't need the ego boost, but the fact that he then talks himself into why he should go again is is pretty hilarious. It's undeniable he is the greatest of all time. He's the greatest of all time at winning World Series of Poker bracelets. If you uh, don't agree with his style of play, you're wrong. You're just flat out wrong. That guy wins bracelets but what is he it's the next close person has 10 or 11 yeah,
1: Doyle has 10.
0: I mean, it's it's sick. Like it's it's frigging crazy. It's absolutely uh, disgusting. So congratulations, Phil. Yes, James, I agree with you that he is kind of playing a character, but that character is also him. It's Pavlovian, right? Like if he if he rings the bell or whatever it is, he's going to get the treat. And I don't I think the lines are blurred at this point. Like I don't think he's faking it, but I also don't think he's like necessarily trying to rein it in either.
1: Um, We should also give a shout out to Maria Ho for making the final table of the 3K horse. Maria finished fifth for nearly 40K. Maria is going to be back on stream with us soon, guys, but obviously is playing a lot of events in Vegas right now. She will be back on stream when we start covering the Big 20. And in case you missed this announcement from the start of the week, the celebrations for PokerStars' 20th anniversary are about to get underway. There are details on the PokerStars blog. Um, Two key things I would like to highlight right now. It's going to culminate with what we're calling the Big 20 Finale, which is a $55 buy in MTT with a $5 million guarantee 500 k in added value. And we will be streaming the final day of that event in early December. But in addition, leading up to the finale, there is going to be a special tournament series called the Big 20 Rewind, where there are going to be tournaments themed around specific years and specific milestones in PokerStars history with some special prizes. I can't say more right now, more details to follow, but this is going to be awesome. And a few of those events are going to be streamed as well. So we will bring you more details in the coming weeks. Um In response to last week's podcast, if I just check on Discord, Lucas said last week's episode review of Money Plane actually made him want to watch the film. So I don't know if we succeeded or failed, Joe.
0: Yeah, well, all I would say is watch the film ahead of the show, guys. When we say, like, hey, we got a big movie coming up, like part of what we're trying to do here is to sort of be recapping it together, right? So if you watch it ahead of time... Are we going to lead you astray? Absolutely. Are we going to waste one to two hours of your life watching really dumb shit some of the time? Yes, we will. But the point is so that we can waste another hour of your time talking about it on the podcast. That's the whole point. I wonder if the people who made Money like, have like, google alerts or whatever and see that like money plane has got to have moved significantly on imdb uh just from like the couple hundred people of ours who like went to watch it somewhere or googled it i wonder if they're like oh shit money planes back sequel um yeah man like watch it watch it ahead of time
1: yeah Absolutely. And uh, a reminder that in the coming weeks, we will be revisiting Casino Royale. That's a good one. No one should need any encouragement to spend two and a half hours re-watching Casino Royale. Um Ruffy or Rufa enjoyed the interview with Joseph Walsh, missed the stupid game. And I think it's worth pointing out, Joe, that sometimes when you've got a limited time with someone, depending on who the guest is, it sometimes feels wrong to maybe eat into five to ten minutes of that time by playing a game. As fun as they are, sometimes the conversation is so good that you don't want to lose any of that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we talk to people of, like, a certain sort of status and we have enough stuff to talk to, like, I, I'm actually going to lunch for Joseph Walsh today uh, because I enjoy talking to him so much and it turns out he lives right down the road from me, so we're we're going to have lunch. But, yeah, when there's certain people, it's just, it's not even that... Also, the games are hard to come up with and I'm not going to lie. In Joey's case, I was like, this is an older guy. I don't know, like, you know, if, if my stupid ass shtick is going to work well with him and i don't want him to think i'm making fun of him so yeah uh, luckily we had plenty of good stuff to talk about anyway but yes i also miss the stupid game believe me
1: uh but thanks to everyone who joined in the conversation on discord a reminder that a link to the server is in the podcast description and actually i don't know whether you've noticed joe but the dare to stream channels that got added to the pokestars discord server are looking very busy at the moment um so that is a good segue into our first guest, who is one of the architects of the Dare to Stream competition. She is the first streamer on this week's streamer special. It is GJ Reggie. Yes, we are welcoming Georgina James back to the podcast. Hey
2: yeah, it's been a while, guys. It's been a while. Thanks for having me back on the show.
1: Former super fan, now a guest, and yes, we already know your origin story. Because here is a flashback to GJ's first appearance on Poker in the Ears. <laughs>
2: So my subject, if I'm allowed to say, um, for this week is EPT 13 Barcelona.
1: That's a good one.
2: um, Yeah, it was a really good one. And uh, that's actually the first ever stream that I watched of you guys. Wow. Um, So you're a
1: relative newcomer to live poker.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, So, yeah, uh, Barcelona was the first time I ever watched the stream. And I was pretty much hooked. I think I started on maybe day three or day four. Um, And then, yeah, and then I was... I don't know, just watched the entire stream of that. I've watched every stream since. And obviously you had the um, EBT not live then and poking the ears and eyes um, on the stream. So that's how I found out about the podcast. And then, yeah, I've been listening and watching ever since.
1: Oh my God, you are the perfect advert for the Pokestars marketing machine. (laughs) That was episode 99. That was September 2017. A lot's happened (laughs) since then. A lot has changed um i don't know talk us through it how did you go (laughs) From coming on this podcast as a random fan going to our 100th recording at the Hippodrome to actually yes. becoming a poker streamer and then sponsored by poker stars, <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, life is strange, isn't it? It's funny how things work out sometimes. I'm not sure I could ever have predicted that sort of that one, I guess, seemingly small decision to kind of uh, uh, uh you know, put in an application for a super fan would lead, um, to uh to all this, to being sponsored by stars, to being a poker streamer and working with poker stars. And, uh, yeah, it's quite, it actually feels a bit surreal to be back on the podcast, to be honest, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a whirlwind. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, that's just really what all kicked it off. And then I kind of got more into poker and more into streaming, watching more of Twitch and then, um, it's sort of, it's sort of snowballed from there.
0: So you're, you're kind of acting like this is something that happened to you rather than something that you actively worked really hard <laughs> for. And I feel like you're kind of selling yourself short a little bit because it wasn't like you yeah. came on the show and people told you to go be a streamer. Like it's It's not an easy job. It's something you have to really want to do with your life, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I I'm, have a bad habit of, uh, I guess, selling myself short. And I, I probably do it a bit too much on stream, telling people that I just got really lucky when uh, I should give myself a bit more credit than that. Uh, yeah, so I kind of started streaming because I thought it would be fun. Uh, there was the Platinum Pass Adventure for the first PSPC, yeah. and that sort of gave me some oomph to, um, I guess, you know, take uh, take that step because it was streaming was something that I'd, I'd thought about. I'd seen other people do it. It always looked like fun. And I was like, well, if I'm ever going to try, now would be a great time. There's a Platinum Pass up for grabs. Why not give it a go? And I pretty much immediately just fell in love with it. Um, It was just a lot of fun. Uh, It was a great way to meet new people. I didn't really have many poker friends. I didn't really know um, many other people who were were interested in poker at the time. And it was just a really great way to build a community. And I had a lot of fun streaming. I had a lot of support early doors. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't win. Um, the fun and Pass adventure. Uh, but I, I got to meet the likes of, of Pi and also uh, Fred, who's a good friend, and then Richie Rob as well. And we've all just sort of worked together and built each other up and continued uh, on since then.
1: But you were a normal human being who actually had <laughs> a job and was yes. interested in poker. At yes. what point did you decide, oh, this streaming thing, that's now going to be my life from now on? I mean, that's that's because that's a huge risk to take, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is, and I I started streaming in 2018. I joined Stars in like uh, May of 2019, but I didn't actually quit my day job till February 2020. Oh so- wow! <laughs> so I, uh, it's the sort of thing where, especially when I got sponsored, when um, I told everyone, "Oh, by the way, I'm now going to be streaming full poker stars." People were like, "Oh, wow! Does that mean you're going to quit your job? Are you going to do this or are you do that?" And uh, it was a decision that sort of weighed heavy for quite a long time because I knew, at least from the community, they felt like there was always this sort of expectation that, "Yeah, you're sponsored now; you can just like quit and leave." But part of me wasn't that confident. Because even though I was sponsored, I didn't necessarily believe that, um, the, of like how, six, in how uh, successful the stream could be. And it's, I mean, it's just not an easy decision to just quit your job like that for, for streaming. It <laughs> no. isn't, but
1: it, it happened much later than I thought you were going to say. Because it, uh, it, as you said, you, you signed with Stars in the spring of 2019. And obviously, yes. uh, we saw you out in Prague. The, yes. last, the last live event we attended in December <laughs> yep. 2019 when you and Pi were running Dare to Stream. I mean, your time commitment at that point to the brand and to streaming must have been so significant. How were you able to hold down a job as well?
2: <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's funny. I kind of made the decision to quit my job whilst I was in Prague. Uh, I actually remember having dinner with Lex and Pi and talking to them about it. And I'd spent like that morning sat in the like little um, kind of cafe area in the lot in the hotel lobby, just kind of weighing things up because it's ex- exactly as you said, literally all my free time outside of work was essentially spent either, either streaming or doing, you know, doing other stuff for, for stars. I took, uh, I took days off from my actual job to then go fly to Park, then do the stars job. And it all got to a point where it was just sort of a bit too much to not have any free time because like you stream you can only stream so much during the week when you have to get up in the morning to go to work um you come home late you have dinner and then you can only stream for a few hours um so i spent all the time streaming on the weekends and i don't know i just i guess i just like really loved it that much which is why i put all my time and effort into it uh i just really enjoyed streaming i wanted to make the most of it and i tried really hard to just keep being consistent with the streaming and to um, build a community as best I could. But eventually it all takes its toll because pretty much every single work holiday or work day off that I took was spent either kind of away in London because I I think I saw you guys in London as well for a little bit for the Moneymaker tour. I also did like a weekend and a long weekend in Dublin, too. And then we came out to Prague for the week. So, yeah, I I didn't really I didn't really have any time off.
0: (laughs) So can you say what the job was that you walked away from or what sort of field it was at least?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I can. So like uh, my job, my official job title was a business improvement manager. And I worked in, um, I worked for a private company that looked after public service contracts So things like, um, uh, like waste collections and uh, highway maintenance and stuff like that. Um, I worked specifically on the, uh, the, the prison maintenance contract. (laughs) So essentially the company I worked for looked after, um, the physical buildings of, of prisons. So everything from sort of gas, electricity, water, security cameras, to the actual, like the walls, the furniture, the toilets and all that, uh, whatnot, um, which is a very different uh, (laughs) environment to this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't realize, I I naively thought that you know, when you were running that competition um, nearly two years ago now that you were already kind of full-time streamer <laughs> stars rep I yeah. mean, credit to you for trying to hold all that down and understandably it became too much and something had to give um, so dare to stream was kind of born I guess of that you mentioned the platinum pass adventure right and yes, that was I that was the, the, the promotion which was trying to get people streaming give away a platinum pass and I guess dare to stream was born of that which was mm. to give away a platinum pass for the next PSPC which is still on the horizon um, yes uh, and, and this time around based on the success of that competition now you're offering potentially a contract as a star streamer
2: yes and it's not even potentially a contract we will be offering right. one person a one-year contract with focus stars to to become an ambassador uh to you know to stream sponsored by focus stars and it's I mean, it's a big deal, right? I can't wait. Uh, it's such an insane prize. And I do think it's... Uh, Platinum Pass is, is obviously amazing. You get to go uh, You get to go to the competition, play in the $25,000 tournament. This does feel like an, a next-level um, prize for this competition, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you joined us on the stream the other week and uh, announced this yeah. with Pi, um, yes. I think we made some joke about just the volume of content that you're going to have yeah. to be watching. And I think you may not have realized just how much that would be. We just referenced <laughs> the fact that the Discord channels are blowing up. There they seem are. to be a phenomenal number of applications this time around.
2: Yeah, there are. And I actually made sure, I came prepared, I made sure to ask for some stats on applications. So if you would like some stats, I yeah, can tell oh, you.
0: Please. Uh, <laughs> for, before you give us the stats, which I definitely want to know. Okay. The application process, is it just a matter of being in the Stars Discord channel and pasting a clip and pasting a link? Like, (laughs) what are people actually doing to submit?
2: So there was actually an official registration form, uh, which uh, I'm sure you'll find sort of on the blog and uh, in, vel- uh, in uh, the relevant channels and stuff, but they have to fill in an actual form. So we ask for things like their name, their details, their age, they have a section where they can like write a bit of a bio about themselves, like to, mm-hmm. uh, tell us about yourself. They also have to make sure they've read the terms and conditions and, and all that jazz. So it is, a, it's an official form that you have to submit uh, once that form is submitted Um, We've got our our team uh, looking over and vetting the applications just to make sure they're all fine. There's no, you know, there's nothing strange um, going on and there's nothing that would make them ineligible to compete. Uh, And then once they've done that, there is a few things that they have to make sure, which is they are in the Discord and that they join our Dare to Stream team on Twitch as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So, uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of the, the process that they go through. Um, and in terms of the stats, do, do you want to guess or shall I just, I just well, go out and tell the you? The first
1: thing to say is I highlighted at the start of this week's show that it is World Statistics Day today. And Joe was a little oh, bit disappointed it? that I didn't okay. have any stats. So you are actually <laughs> filling that void. You're saving the fucking show, you're, Georgina. You're
2: welcome. You're welcome. Um, so I got these yesterday, uh, so there might be more uh, since. But we've had 338 applications so far. Right, so that's people submitting the form online, which I found baffling when I when I was told this. I thought that is so much more than even of course. kind of my highest expectations.
1: Because this is a big ask. You're saying to people, you have to play real money poker on yes. the internet in front yes. of live viewers. So you think mm-hmm. that this is really going to appeal to a very small hardcore of a niche audience? You're thinking, okay, we'll probably hit double digits, but you're thinking 50, 60 max. <laughs> More than 300, I think is it, well, well, I never would have I never would have taken the over a on 100.
0: There's yeah. gonna be a drop off though from applications to then actual people who show you things to look at, right? Like yes. I assume not a huge drop off, but like of those 338 like maybe like only 275 actually submit videos.
2: Yeah. So, well, of those 330, I can tell you around 50 have been rejected. And the rejections have, based, have been based on um, things You're Daniel like-
0: Negreanu. Sorry, you're <laughs> ineligible.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I think if he applied that, then maybe, maybe that would be the case. Uh, it's mostly based on region. So yeah. the competition is only open to players who play on either the .com, the .uk, or the .eu client. So if you play on any other client with any other... Dot um, uh, region name. Then uh, yeah, I'm afraid you're not going to be able to play. We I think we had quite a lot of U.S. folks, either like Pennsylvania or Michigan, trying to um. Um, uh, get involved, which unfortunately um, we've had to we've had to turn down. And then the other thing is is that in the U.K. in particular, you have to be 25 years age or older to yeah. be able to enter. So those those are what what uh, pretty much all the rejections are. We've had around 150 accepted. They've done. They've joined Discord. They've joined the Twitch team. And uh, the rest are in progress, but a lot of them are missing information. So we've mm. got a lot of people who didn't tell us their Twitch name or didn't tell us their You're out. name. You're out. You're an <laughs> idiot.
0: You're out. You're fucking out. We have hundreds of people. You didn't cross a T. You didn't dot an I. You're fucking out. I mean...
1: He yeah. jokes, but I'm kind of with him because, you know, if you can't follow basic instructions, I do think that there needs to be a basic barrier. You sound like exactly
0: the kind of person we want to give a contract to, person who didn't write address where their address goes. You're going to be a fucking joy to work with.
2: So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the best of starts. I did, they're, they're in the pending uh, according to the uh, application kind of progression list. Uh, but, yeah, there's a, there's a few people. Who um, are, are missing information, and others they're just taking time to go through because there's just so there's just so many, you
1: know. Uh, but this this runs until pretty much the end of the year, and yes. during that time, obviously these people are going to be streaming. They're going to be uploading clips. So I know that you and Pi are going to be doing some streams where you specifically review other people's streams. But <laughs> as far as the judging process goes. Do you know yet who is going to be making these final decisions? Is it going to be by committee? Is there one specific person who's basically going to go, yes or no? <laughs>
2: I believe it's going to be a decision that we'll make as a, as a committee, as right. a, as a panel, um, whether once we've made our decision, we're going to have to get it checked by someone else to just give the final. Okay. That actually, yes, this is fine. The PokerStars
0: <laughs> fat cat's going to have to start off on this one. <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: basically. So we'll, we'll be the ones we've got a team of people. It's not just myself and, and Pi. We've got the, uh, the PokerStars switch team kind of all keeping an eye out. We'll all sort of collectively come to a, a decision and then, yeah, it may well be someone else who has the final okay but they would that would just be from a i guess like an approval perspective uh at at that point i don't think they'll be the one watching the streams physically yeah yeah. but
1: i I guess you know obviously it's great that someone's going to get this contract but also the the other benefit is hopefully there'll be some people who'll do this right and if they if they're unsuccessful or if they try out and they don't like it they'll, they'll they'll fall by the wayside but it could be that Let's think best case scenario, there could be dozens or scores of new streamers who keep it up right after the competition's finished, even if they didn't win. Like a one Georgina James did.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And honestly, like we really hope that happens. Um, for the first Dare to Stream, we you always expect a drop-off. You always expect people to kind of almost not make it to the end of the competition, not stream for the whole time. And um, the the few people that have carried on streaming that are you know, after Dare to Stream have, have done really well, have made a success of themselves in a the row, right? So I really hope that happens this time. I don't expect it to be, you know, 100 people, but it would be nice if we had even just like five to ten people who um, who decided that, you know what, this is really fun. I could do this as a hobby on the side, and I, I want to continue um, building on I, uh, on my stream.
0: I don't know if you're allowed to answer this or okay. if you're able <laughs> to answer this yet. Is there anyone yet who's caught your eye and you're like, ah, this oh. person like, OK, like this person's in the running?
2: Ah. Uh- Oh, I don't. I don't really. I don't really know. It's super early days, and the competition technically hasn't started yet. Okay. So, all right. Fine. Yeah. So the competition starts on the twenty third. We've still got a few days uh, before it officially kicks off, and a lot of people are doing like test streams, basically just making sure they 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 know how to switch tables, switch scenes, Smart. um, and test their audio, make sure their camera works, they've got good enough internet and stuff like that. So yeah. there's a lot of people um doing test streams, and I kind of want to give everyone sort of almost the benefit of a doubt for the first for the first few streams right whilst they're sorting things out competition hasn't started um i have seen a, i've hung out on quite a few streams there's been a lot of uh, fun moments already um I, I very much enjoyed um folk getting banned in uh, in someone's stream which i thought was really funny um
1: <laughs> so just to and, be clear uh, this is the guy who effectively this is, is like executive is managing the stars <laughs> yes. stream team
2: yes yeah and they um, banned
1: him yeah. from the channel yeah, yeah that's,
2: well, that's... temporarily, but it was quite funny, I found. Uh, Pi has also been timed out several times, which I always enjoy. Uh, so, so um...
1: Wow. I mean, th- so, this, this is akin, by the way, to not writing your address on your application form. This is a surefire <laughs> way to eliminate yourself from contention.
0: I can't believe I have never banned this person. Like, I'm definitely going to ban someone important eventually and get in big trouble. Uh, Georgina, I guess I have a question about yes. sort of relating you back to this. So... You know, okay. when we last spoke to you on the podcast, you were a fan. Yes. Uh, when we last spoke to you on a broadcast, you were a freshman, right? You were a, a new person on the scene. You're not a new person on the scene anymore. No, you're like a so. sophomore <laughs> at, at worst, at best, like maybe even part of like the junior class now. Now mm-hmm. you're the one who's sort of uh, in charge of welcoming new people yeah. and, and being like their sort of first line of seniority how how does that feel now that you're not even like the bottom rungs you're not the newest person
2: yeah anymore um i don't know i guess i feel kind of old now (laughs) 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 yeah how do you think
1: we feel (laughs) (laughs) right
2: yeah, it's um, it's very it's definitely a very different feeling in that sense Um, and uh, in a lot of ways especially because of Dare Stream like last time and this time I kind of feel a sense of responsibility to help as much as I can to get people yeah. uh, to get people off their feet and I, I mean I love it like the best thing about streaming is the, is the community and the people you meet and the connections you get to make and I know how I know how hard it is to start out as well right yeah. from scratch and knowing nothing so I, I really appreciate the people who are trying to put in the effort who are talking who are trying to who ask a lot of questions um who really want to improve as well straight from the off so uh yeah it's it's all about kind of like trying to trying to help as best we can and be encouraging um i i'm i feel it sort of to be realistic despite the fact that we've got so many applications uh i reckon about half probably won't stream till the very end of the competition Mm -hmm um that's just what i suspect and based on previous experience for, from like the competitions that i've been a part of before uh, i hope i'm wrong but it's sort of it's sort of inevitable and whilst i'm always encouraging and uh, try and help as much as i can and w- would answer any question that anyone asks me in the discord or live on stream uh i know streaming's not not for everyone and yeah, it's just like not something that everyone's going to be cut up for so
1: of course one final question georgina before we go live to new zealand and join your colleague, Magin. Um, Last time you ran this competition, you were trying to juggle a lot of balls. Now that you don't have the job as well, what do you do when you are not streaming, when you're not running the Dare to Stream competition, when you're not doing stuff for stars? What are your hobbies outside of, of poker and streaming?
2: Oh, I'm just a massive video games fan and nerd, to be to be honest. Cool. I like just love playing video games in general. Uh, I've really branched out in in kind of the the style of games that I play in the last year as well. I used to be very. Um, uh, now she plays
0: all kinds of card games: solitaire,
2: <laughs> yes, pyramid. <exactly. laughs> Um, I used to be, especially as a child growing up, uh, I used to play a lot of RPGs or Japanese RPGs in particular. I don't know why I fixated on that genre, really, but it was something about the art style, the characters and the story that really hooked me. But over the past year, I've gotten to playing... Things like like Valorant, I'm sort of still obsessed with, which is a competitive uh, first-person shooting game. Um, I, I've been enjoying Slay the Spire recently, which is like, it's like a card game um, as well. It's like a deck builder kind of game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just love playing video games. Oh, and Final Fantasy XIV Online, which is uh, an MMO I got into recently as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I like, I like, It's just kind of my thing. Gaming is how I chill out now. And it's oh. great because we've got so many people in the community who also love games. And yes. we've got our own little guild now in our MMO as well, which is nice. And we all kind of hang out and play together too. So uh, I have a lot of fun with that.
1: <laughs> that is cool. Look, best of luck with Dare to Stream. I'm sure we'll Thank check in you. with you again Thank in the coming you. weeks and months. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast again in the near future. GJ, thank you so much for today.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care.
1: Time to introduce the second streamer on this week's streamer special. As previously advertised, we are going to New Zealand and joining Tom Hayward. Imagine himself on the show. Tom, welcome.
3: Thank you appreciate you having me on it's uh this is the first podcast we've been on so wow oh it's uh, it's a privilege to be here Uh, wow
1: cool kind of feel it's long overdue especially as we do still feel very guilty about the fact that the one week we didn't stream the sunday million is the one week that you've (laughs) won it but we'll talk about that in a moment because i actually want to talk about the most recent monday night stream joe and i decided to take a week off uh we leave in the capable hands of Tom Haywood. But what happens is there's a technical problem at the start oh. of the stream. There's 20 minutes of you not being able to talk, which means Arlie Shaban is allowed to fly solo and run Riot for 20 minutes.
3: Yeah, it's criminal. It's, it's uh, a big oversight by the Stars team, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> you mean hiring um, Arlie in general was a big yeah. oversight by the Stars team. I mean, Arlie running a mock... On on without, no adults in the room for twenty minutes is pretty much his entire stream.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he's survived as long as he has. Quite frankly, but, yeah.
1: I mean, I I I watched the first forty five minutes, and I have to say, I think Ali did a phenomenal job holding it together for that first 20 minutes obviously you guys then fell into your stride when you were both able to speak tom but i'm interested what it was like as someone who normally streams himself playing poker watching that bounty builder series main event watching other people play and seeing all the cards up how was that as an experience for you
3: uh it was really good to be honest um the more you stream the more you sort of get in that zone of being a caster right you're in the zone you're, you're going through spots you're going through hands so it's there's definitely a sense of familiarity there. So that certainly helped sort of breaking the ice because of course it was the first, well, well, the second time I've done some commentary, but the first time, of course, being on the stars channel, um, but yeah, it was just an amazing experience all round. Like you said, Arlie did a great job carrying the show in the beginning <laughs> because of the tech issues and stuff. But yeah, once, once the ball got rolling, it was, it was just great. It felt, felt like it was in my element and, uh, Yeah. It's always interesting seeing cards up stuff because it's just, you you sort of get like a, just a a raw view of the card distribution and how people are navigating pots. And it's just, I don't know, it just makes you think a little differently about the game, I I feel. And it's, uh, it's cool being on the sidelines for once and not having to be emotionally invested. In all of the situations, so yeah. Was, yeah, like you get cool. to be
0: a chat pro for once, basically, exactly, right? Like yeah, yeah. you get to be the one saying, "Like, well, I, I can see all the hold cards, but I, I know that I wouldn't have done that."
3: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain level of lordship that you can hold over the people playing, in many ways. But yeah, no. And honestly, there was so many big plays. It was, it was actually really cool to be a part of, you know, people. Potentially some of these people are just peaking in their careers, right? Big yeah. event, making huge bluffs and pulling off sick sick players. It's just Yeah. It's really cool to be a part of. I'm sure you two are very very savvy with that sort of stuff at this point.
0: Eh <laughs>
1: <laughs> We are used to it. To say we're savvy is used kind of it. maybe yeah. maybe a stretch. But yeah, normally on a Monday night we we'll would be streaming, there was this unfortunate technical issue one week which stopped us being able to stream the sunday million i've already mentioned the fact that that was the week you took it down i guess the good thing is Definitely. because a streamer won it people could still watch it all of day two right through to the winning moment because you were able to stream every hand yourself yeah that's pretty cool True. yeah
3: it's was, it was just absolutely surreal being honest uh, but yeah it's a bit obviously a bit of a um Bit, a bit sucky that it wasn't streamed on the. On the was it bittersweet? Like, yeah. Did I mean? Yeah. Did that
0: matter to you?
3: Well, it, it was more after the fact that I realised that, that wasn't that wasn't going to be streamed.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, no, it didn't. It didn't bother me at all, to be honest. But it was just like a a bit of a weird weird moment, I guess. But I mean, obviously, there's nothing that could have changed it. But
1: <laughs> no, I mean,
3: it, it, winning the Sunday Million is fine by me. The, the fact that it wasn't streamed is just a completely non-thing non, non thing
1: to me. Oh, just, yeah. good. Very good. I mean, that, sure. that that was the week where it was an, an accident that wasn't streamed. There was one week after Scoop where we took a week off and that's the week that C. Darwin won the Sunday Million. So we've basically not got a tra- good track record when it comes to missing stuff. I feel that we've come in at the, the, the last chapter of your biography tom let's go back to the beginning Bro. um for people who Wait, don't know you sick? for example um i hope not no <laughs> Jeez, this maybe. is volume volume one of tom's autobiography <laughs> you always write the first volume you know when you're in your 20s and then you write I volume see. two okay. when you're in your 40s and then when you're about to retire that's when you go for volume three uh, but let's begin at the very beginning we need the Magin origin story
3: okay how far do we want to go back
1: well, I mean, for like people who don't reveals, know anything just- about you, I mean, obviously we can tell from your dulcet tones you're a Kiwi, um, but just kind of introduce <laughs> yeah. yourself, I guess, for people who aren't familiar with your stream who's, or who aren't familiar with you as a player. Give us the okay. Tinder version.
3: The Tinder version, okay. Well, I'm pretty notorious for bottling intros. I, I went on the True Geordie <laughs> show a couple of weeks ago, and holy crap, it was just shambles. So uh, <laughs> Take let's two. bottle another one, shall we? <laughs> Take two. Um, yeah, I guess the TLDR version of my life. Uh, hello, my name's Tom Hayward. I, I'm i from New Zealand, <laughs> born and bred in New Zealand, small town in, in New Zealand. I currently live in Christchurch, which is like halfway through the South Island of NZ. It's like a town, town, a city of Frederick K or so. And I've always sort of been a fan of poker It's almost the, the beginning of the Stars days, really the classic Chris Moneymaker, rise to fame and, all that stuff
0: and wow okay yes
3: yeah, so i've sort of been around the block in terms of what i've done professionally
0: oh tell me a- more i always want to know what people have done outside yeah, well, of poker what sorts of jobs have you held see this oh, is
1: interesting i was i was fearing you were going to say tom that you know and obviously i then started playing online built a bankroll and i've played and streamed ever since i like people who've had lives outside of poker yeah hmm.
3: Yeah, it sort of brings you back down to earth in moments where poker isn't going away, doesn't it? You can sort of backtrack to things maybe in the past that weren't going away. I, I kind of do, do that a bit because I've had some pretty ratty jobs. To be honest, I've been a kitchen hand, for example, when I was in school. It was interesting, to say the least. My boss at the time was very stressed out as a chef. Most chefs are pretty stressed, stressed out people. <laughs> yeah, chefs uh, are dicks. Chefs are dicks, yeah. He was a dick. <laughs> But he was, a, he was like a well meaning dick, if you know what I mean. He's he, he, he like trying to, you know, just doing, trying to do right by his family at the end of the day. And holy crap, I was a very poor worker, to say the least. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> just away with the fairies all the time. And man, I'm surprised uh, I held that job for as long as I did. But yeah, so i was two in the kitchen weeks. hand for a while. Two weeks. <laughs> that was a year. It was a year and a half, actually, of just, man. I, really, he he really should have hired someone else, but that's in the past (laughs) now, I suppose. (laughs) What else? Yeah, I was a kitchen hammer a bit. I was working at a service station, like a petrol station for a a decent chunk of time there. And a classic burger joint. Everyone, I think, goes through a burger joint phase. If you don't, then you're not living, I guess.
0: You've literally done all the jobs that people compare to, like what poker is better at. And They're like, "Well, it beats yeah. pumping gas. Well, exactly. it beats flipping burgers." And you've done all of those
3: things. Exactly. It's so good to have that to recall on because it's just like, "Oh, <laughs> definitely could be worse." I'm not saying that it's that people out there right now who who are you know working well meaning jobs that, that that can't you know, hey, it can get better. Let's be honest.
1: Um, so, but yeah. At, at what point did you realize that? you didn't have to do those jobs, that you could make a living through poker or at the very least through poker streaming?
3: Well, that's an interesting one, eh? Because, I mean, look, I've been to university for music. I'm a better musician all my life. Uh, So that didn't sort of fall into place uh, because that sort of led into me going going back to school after that didn't work which led me into doing some graphic design stuff, some media work and all the little things that sort of culminated into what my stream essentially is now. So during that process of going back to school and and learning a few things about media and stuff, that's sort of when it occurred to me that there might be a little niche that I could fill in the poker community because, of course, like I said earlier, I've been a fan of poker my entire life, so it was only natural that potentially I could segue into some sort of casting job for poker and use the skills that I've built up over time to do that so yeah I'd say it was probably pretty solid like four years ago at this point sort of midway through my stint at school I was like yeah I could actually probably leave uh leave the school behind so to speak and use the skills I've learned to morph into something that fits my mold a bit better so that was it I mean it was a bit of a risk of course you know, just yep. like ditching everything and h- heading the streaming streets, and <laughs> trusting myself to actually win at the game first. Because, as we know, you start up a stream, you're not. That's that's like phase one. You you're not necessarily set up for success straight away. You have to build onto that. Um,
0: Is that something that? So, as people, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people out there, right, right now, who are doing the dare to stream contest and uh do you have to be a winning player is that part of it do you have to be good at poker to be a good streamer
3: i think it would be very helpful if you were because these days um as you two are very aware chat professionals are definitely a thing so unless you're (laughs) you're prepared to sit and sift through just troves of people trolling you in the chat about your play style you really need to you need to be on top of things and of course it's just, just going to be better for your mindset if you're winning as well there's nothing worse than, than signing up for a losing day every day when, it, when all you're doing is streaming poker because it can you know can stream a lot of your time unless you're doing some other stuff part-time yeah so, i mean
1: obviously we've seen the evolution of of poker on twitch and you know there's a lot of streamers out there now what do you think is? I guess what is your unique selling point as far as you're concerned? Is it just that you're that you're the Kiwi, you're the guy from New Zealand? What what else can people expect if they tune in to, to Magincast? cast
3: Well, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I suppose. Initially, the the idea for me with the stream was to um, utilize effects, essentially, but not like tacky effects that didn't that were out of place and, and that sort of disturbed the viewing experience. It was more of a an idea to enhance what poker and casting poker already provided.
0: So Sorry, little, when you say effects, do you mean what people would refer to as memes, like that kind of thing, like different things popping up on your stream?
3: Yeah, I'd say that's pretty on point. Yeah, cool. Memes, effects, like audio effects, certain transitions. Nice little segues and stuff like that, and and uh, yeah, like I said, it's just a mixed bag of everything. Pretty much any any sort of idea that I felt I could implement that wouldn't detract from the poker play and actually serve to enhance it. That's sort of what I've tried to implement.
0: So, do you see a lot of people ripping off your techniques and/or uh, sort of style as far as implementing technology to enhance the broadcast?
3: I have seen a few. Some of the execution's been pretty on point. Some of it has been a little <laughs> bit lackluster. Because it's a fine line that we tow, right? That you, you can if you're adding extra stuff, that's a risk. You need to make sure oh, God, that it doesn't Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to make sure that it doesn't completely derail the whole idea of the game because at, the, at its core, poker is the poker is the feature. And I think it should always be the feature if you're streaming poker. So Yeah. As long I, as it's
1: I agree with you, but equally I understand where you're coming from because, you know, obviously with with our own live streams of online poker, we have our own kind of bells and whistles as well. And I think because mm-hmm. the game is not as, let's be brutally honest here, as visually dynamic as many video games that people are watching on streaming course, platforms, yeah. you do need to bring something extra to the table. People need to be entertained. They need to be drawn in.
3: Yeah, I would agree there for sure. And And many of us can get away with, with just having like a solid a solid commentary s- sort of techniques in, in, in those regards, like yourself, uh, Lex, Spraggy, Fintan, all those big names, they built their name off just solid, like a solid way to keep the audience engaged. But yeah. potentially these days, you can still get away with that. It's a little bit harder to grow from the beginning with, with just that technique. But yeah, maybe because today's environment's getting quite competitive it could be good to have a point of difference like a clear point of difference from the rest unless you either get super lucky with your networking or you you are uh, like one of the best players in the world i I would say there's just there's like a few little niches that can get you to the top or at least competing for that top spot yeah but those would come to mind for me
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, when I see streams like yours, I'm blown away and I'm like, oh, man, there's like so much potential here. So much fun stuff that if you have the right technical know-how and the right creative mind, you could really uh, make a fantastic stream. I guess I just my question is, you said you went back to school to learn media, but you didn't get taught Twitch specifically. Right. So how hard was it to take the things you had learned in school and then? transfer them like what was the learning curve like to get into twitch after that did it easily transfer or was it still a struggle
3: that's a good question hey eh? because yeah like you said they don't specifically teach you how to stream with the techniques so i mean i guess i would watched a lot of streams and i sort of kind of knew the vibe that was necessary to sort of portray and and i guess the rest of it just came from the software limitations so I use official broadcaster software OBS. Many people will be familiar with that. Um, it's a pretty versatile program, but when it comes down to it, most of what most of what I really needed to do was just ask Google the right the right questions. And because of this it's course,
1: insane it taught that? me.
3: Yeah, Google knows everything. It's great. It's, it's, it's definitely going to coach you to the point where you can get where you need to go. But I don't know. Going to school, it it just. I just knew what questions to ask. I knew exactly what to type into Google, and that's kind of what it came down to, as simple as it sounds.
1: I know so many people who've become relatively proficient, not great, not professional, but proficient video Mm -hmm. editors in like Adobe Premiere just by watching YouTube videos. It's amazing the skills you can learn just by searching for stuff on the internet. Um, Talking of searching for random stuff on the internet, Joe has put together um, a... (laughs) trademark stupid game well unfortunately you were flipping here tom because two guests on this week's stream gj reggie imagine and it was a case of one of you was going to have to play the game you either won slash lost the flip depending on your (laughs) point of view
0: All right, right, here we go. Special shout out to Raksha, by the way, who gave me some uh, little pointers as for things we could talk to Tom about, specifically how to pronounce Magin, first of all, uh, was something that she helped me out with. But she said, Tom, that it's become a bit of a thing on your stream that people say you have alpaca hair and they're always doing alpaca (laughs) memes. I get it. I see it now like I do. I see (laughs) the alpaca comparison. So what I've done for you is I've constructed a trivia quiz about alpaca and eye. Did you know that eye was the plural of alpaca? I had no idea. That's it's not actually nope. Uh, okay. Quite simply, okay. uh, there wasn't enough trivia out there in alpaca, so I'd had it. i to add an alpacae, which is short for Al Pacino. Right.
1: So what okay? you're saying is that this quiz is trivia questions about alpacas and Al Pacino, correct? <laughs> uh, uh, nice. What What time of day was this quiz constructed? Uh, late we'll call
0: it yeah, okay we'll call it question right. yeah question number 1 for how long do experts think alpacas have been domesticated for for how many thousands of years have alpacas been years. oh no hold oh. on They're multiple choice multiple choice okay. have they been domesticated for more than 1000 years more than 3000 years more than 6000 years or more than 40 million years.
3: Hmm. (laughs) To be honest, I'm pretty sure humans haven't even been domesticated for 6,000 years. It's gotta be one of the other two, 3,000 or 1,000. I'm gonna go 3,000, because it's kind of right, right in that zone where it could be sort of parody, right? I like the way
0: you thought it out. Unfortunately, yeah. the Mayans are thought to have domesticated alpaca more than 6,000 years wow. ago. That is a hashtag fun fact. <sighs> but at least <laughs> you didn't pick 40, 40 million years. That was good. You stayed away yeah. from the from the junk answer. Question number two. For how long has alpaca, I a.k.a. Al Pacino, for how long has Al Pacino been domesticated? For how many years has he been married? Is it Uh, zero years, 40 years, four years, or 40 million years? Can I use Google? (laughs) You can absolutely not use Google. You can Hector (laughs) a heart again. One time. You can Hector a heart again as a clue. Uh,
3: Okay. James, what are your thoughts?
1: I don't think Al Pacino has been married for 40 years because he was with Diane Keaton during the last 40 years and they're no longer together. So I'm going to say it's either four years or zero years. I think he might currently be married. So I'd hazard a guess at four.
3: Let's
0: go with our final friend and lock in four years.
1: Al Pacino has never been
0: married. It. Zero years of oh, domestication man. for Alpaca.
1: Tom, you're Question losing number flips three. left, right, and center today. I do apologize. You used up all that run good in the Sunday Million. <laughs>
0: That's, That's right. True. Yeah, you'll never win a flip here. Question number three. Alpacas are on the rise as therapy animals in hospitals, healthcare facilities, and retirement homes around the world due to the fact that they make great hiking partners. And what? Do they also make great body warmers, great bedside companions, Great disease sniffers or great conversationalists?
3: (laughs) Should be the last one. I'm no expert. Maybe it's disease sniffers. You said they're working in old people uh, 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 retirement homes, right? Is it?
0: That is correct.
3: That would be an interesting answer. What were the first two? Sorry. Uh, uh, Body
0: warmers and bedside companions.
3: It's got to be either body warmer or disease sniffer. I'm just trying to think about the reverse psychology process that that you'd be using here, Joe, to level <laughs> me. <laughs> hmm.
0: Let's let's go with disease sniffers. Alpacas are cited as being great hiking partners and great bedside companions. Oh Ugh. my god! That's, of course,
3: they're like comfort animals, aren't they? yeah but, but, but Yeah. of course
0: it sounds weird to have like a like alpaca standing next to your bed but I get it after they say mm. it uh, we're yeah. 0 for 3 which is great if you can go 0 for 7 that's actually a perfect score in a stupid yeah. game question number 4 in 2019 alpaca Eye explained that he was also on the rise in therapy he went to therapy 5 days a week for 25 years after shooting what film was it the Godfather, The Devil's Advocate,
1: Insomnia, or Despicable Me Two? This one, I 100% know the answer to.
3: I'm pretty confident that it that it might be insomnia because you know it could could be something that maybe you go into some method acting. You, yeah, your
1: it's, 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 it it's not. It's not insomnia. <laughs>
3: Maybe it's
1: The Godfather, because that's the one everyone The Godfather, yeah, The Godfather's correct. Good job. You said Godfather. I heard Godfather. The the clue there is that only one of those movies was made 25 years before the year 2019. (laughs) Uh, Okay, (laughs) Okay,
3: that does make sense. I just scrub up on my movie knowledge for sure.
0: Question Uh, number five. What is a baby alpaca called? Is it a Joey, a Kriya, a Fawn, or a Grogu? (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> Krogu <laughs> Good to say Well, a Joey's a kangaroo So I think I'm going to rule that one out What was the second one? A Kriya Kriya And the third one? Fawn Fawn I'm going to go th- I'm going to go Fawn that makes the most sense, right?
0: Fawn is incorrect It is a Kriya A baby alpaca Is known as a Kriya Chance Chance to redeem yourself here though Question number six What is a baby alpaca eye called? I could do this without the options. Was it Alberto, Alfonso, Alfredo, or Alfresco?
3: Alfredo Pacino. Alfresco Pacino? That doesn't sound right. Or the first two, Joe. Sorry, I'm blanking.
1: Alberto Alfonso. What did your gut tell you, Tom? What did you just go with first there?
3: I think it's Alfonso. That's the only No, No,
1: no. What What was the first name you said?
3: The third one. Um, Alfredo? A- Alfredo
1: Pacino?
0: It's a pasta, is it not?
1: He's yeah. going with Alfredo Pacino, Joe. Yeah,
0: Alfredo Pacino is correct!
3: Thank you for the for the support from the sidelines. I really appreciate it. Really carrying me <laughs>
0: through this. Alright, <laughs> yeah. just one more question. You've got two correct. You can okay. um we'll call you it can have a, a we'll barely it manageable score here if you get the last one here.
3: Okay, should be
0: The Noise Alpaca Make Around the scent of a female is called orgling. The noise alpaca makes in scent of a woman is called woosahing, hooahing, cacaoing,
1: or chim And this is the point where we have to ask Have you seen the Al Pacino movie, Scent of a Woman?
3: Cats are hair. It's gonna be the wow wooing one. I'm. Sh- i I'm, I'm, I'm. gonna take a punt on that one. So
1: let me give you a clue. This is the movie where Al Pacino is famous for going.
0: Hoo-ah. That's probably on, the I'll answer. Do there. Okay, it's either <laughs> wooza, hua, cacao, or chim chom.
3: James literally just told me the answer and I've forgotten it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like,
1: that's crazy. <laughs> it can... <laughs> that wasn't such so a clue as a gift and it's. <laughs> It's gone to yeah, waste. I
3: mean, I've been watching a lot of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire recently, and so I'm just like, "Yep, I could definitely nail that question every time in that in that exact spot." Yes, real thinking-
0: questions. You probably could. This is a fucking stupid game made <laughs> up by Joe Stapleton. There's it a is. reason why this is my job,
3: is and not writing game. questions
0: for
1: Millionaire. I tell you it's what, a
3: stupid game, and I'm a stupid, stupid human. I thought I'd do better here. This is quite disappointing.
1: Who are is the answer. We're going to give you the point. You still lost the game. It's still a score of three and four. It doesn't matter. But yeah. thanks, man. as Joe said, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is that we got to speak to today, Tom, and it was a delight. I hope to catch up with you awesome. again soon.
3: Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Uh, I hope you win the, the next Sunday million,
0: million we don't stream.
3: If I win the next Sunday Million, it's uh, a scary prospect for everyone involved, let's be honest. <laughs> you, you don't just win two Sunday Millions. It's just not, nope. what you, not what you do. But yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate the opportunity and stuff and yeah, great, great to talk
0: to you too as well. A pleasure. All right, my babies, it's time to run a mock. A M O Q. It's an occasional feature where we answer your random questions submitted on Discord.
1: Yeah, this started on one of our live streams last year. It's like an AMA, but Joe, you and I are very busy people and we only have time to respond to a single question so we invite you to ask me one question and this week starbuck the third wants to know what is your favorite childhood film that one movie that you will always unconditionally love no matter how old you are or how much people criticize it well
0: i'll go i'll go on this one i think james and i are going to have similar answers here at least to start right like it seems boring here to be like star wars or, yeah. or, or you know, whatever. What What's some of yours that are just sort of I'm, easy?
1: Superman, Jaws, all the classic Bond movies, right. The Great Escape, The Dirty Dozen. Um, so many of my favorite childhood movies aren't controversial choices, Joe.
0: Yeah, and this one, I'll go with mine here, and I think this one is no longer a controversial choice. For some reason, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I went to see this movie. It was panned critically. Uh, my parents didn't think it was very good. It's one of the first movies I remember buying with my own money on VHS tape. And when I was a kid, uh, we weren't allowed to just watch movies at will. Uh, even if we owned them, we had to like get permission. We had to have TV time, yada, yada. But there was one summer that my parents went for a walk every single day in the afternoon. And it would last between 20 and 30 minutes. And during that time, I would get out the VHS tape, put it in the VCR, and we would watch 20, 30 minutes of this movie every single day. And that movie was Hook. Ah, Oh, Spielberg. Really thought that Hook was the perfect blend of, like, action and comedy and sort of adult themes and kid themes and just had, a. I thought, like, a really cool story, a really cool screenplay. Was absolutely trashed at the time. Yeah. I still think, I think this movie has gotten more acceptable as time's gone on.
1: I'll be honest with you. That's a film I should revisit because I saw it when it opened, came out in cinema. I think it was 1992 and I didn't actually think it was that good, but I'm happy to be proved wrong and and some films benefit from the passage of time. I I find this a very hard question to answer, partly because so many of my favorite movies are now considered classics. Also, I always find it tough to pinpoint one. So I am going to pick a movie which some people don't think that much of, but I do. It's a film I watched over and over and over again when I was eight or nine. It's Firefox. Not a particularly well-regarded Clint Eastwood movie, but it's one which to this day, I think is actually really good.
0: Uh, I prefer Mozilla.
1: You're a funny guy. I prefer Chrome. You're a what is what guy. is
0: Firefox about? Sorry, can I ask a Q uh, A M O Q? What what's the general well, gist of you're Firefox?
1: Breaking the rules of your own feature by asking follow up questions. It's the movie where Clint Eastwood has to go into Russia to steal this amazing stealth plane.
0: Awesome. This has been A M T Q. Ask me two questions. Thank you for your question.
1: Time for this week's Superfan Contest, and we welcome John Lemke to the show. John, how are you?
0: Hi, James. Hi, Joe. I'm doing well. Hey, John. John, I, I realize Lemke's probably a uh, fairly common name, but there was a guy named Lemke that's involved in my origin story and was one yeah. of the like original four people who put in $500 for me to get that spray tan bet. <laughs> back in back in two thousand and five, Brian Lemke was one of the people that contribute five hundred bucks, without which I maybe would have never been a known quantity in the
1: poker world. So All right. We, he's another one we have to blame along with Norman Chad. See the interesting <laughs> thing, Joe, is you say Lemke, I say Lemke, and as someone who lives in Germany, John, I imagine that's how most right. people say your name.
4: Yes, when we move my name is Lemke, but when we moved here, my wife told me I should say Lemke so that everyone knows exactly how to spell it. So exactly. what's the,
0: what's your deal? How did you end up moving to Germany?
4: Uh, I met my wife in the US. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, she was in the US as an au pair. She's from Germany. Uh, we got married and then 6 years ago we moved uh, with our son to Germany.
0: That's got to be quite a great relationship and a, like a roman- that's a romantic tale moving to Europe to to be with yeah, uh, agreed. a yeah, baby citizen is- you met. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, true. Yeah. But it's, it's great living here. I miss my friends and family in the U.S., but life here in Germany is pretty good.
1: Whereabouts in Germany are you? Big country.
4: Yeah, we live in uh, Borken. It's about an hour north of Dusseldorf. So western Germany, right on, the, right on the Dutch border.
0: And what do you do there? I work for a,
4: a wind energy company. Sick. Yeah.
0: So you're not, you a lot don't, of wind power over here. You haven't you haven't uh, gotten cancer from any of those windmills yet.
4: No, not yet. I'm sure that's coming down the li- <laughs> down the road, but not not yet. I'm still healthy.
1: Oh, Very conspiracy good. theories for the win. <laughs> um, John, obviously, we're thrilled to have you on the show, but I think it's fair to say, Joe, you are not overly happy about john's choice of specialist subjects <laughs> well
0: i it's not really fair for me to complain anymore because um let's just say that i did not get a chance to re-watch this movie from 2008 so i was going to complain but since i didn't i read a whole book last week guys okay oh, you, yeah, for the okay. guests okay. That's so, a play.
1: um just to be clear is this film 2008 or 1998 i thought it was 98 i think it's 98 because 2008 would be the same year as iron man and i sorry find 2008
0: it- is when it was released on dvd
1: right because it would oh, be wow. really weird if this were to come out the same year as iron man the Nick same Fury, week, yeah agent of shield starring david hasselhoff who would later become part of the mcu as tarzu hasselfrau um oh, why true. on earth did you pick this john
4: because I always, I always thought it was funny that uh, David Hasselhoff seems to be so popular here in Germany. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh right, obviously Germans I, love I David under, Hasselhoff. I never
4: understood it. I still don't, but I thought that would be a funny. Topic. You know,
0: James, that was one of Norm's catchphrases that like made him famous on Saturday Night Live in the nineties. He would like a punchline like every week. People would look forward to him saying, "Germans love David Hasselhoff."
1: <laughs> right. One of my favorite moments in dodgeball is the 1, 2, 3, Hasselhoff! Um, <laughs> well, Patrick has been forced to watch this opus as well. He has Hi, compiled Patrick. his usual 10-question quiz. Um, we begin with you, John. You're our guest. You're our super fan. So please give me a number between 1 and 10. Uh, deuces never loses. Number 2, please. We're going with number 2. What is the name of the cryogenically preserved villain? And if you can name him without taking the options, I can give you two points. Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. Correct for two points. Joe, you can have any number other than two. Uh, Let's go with question one, please. Andrea von Strucker executes a lieutenant or lieutenant, depending on what side of the water you're from. From which city? Uh, I will take the choices. London, Cairo, Osaka or Prague? Let's go with Cairo. Incorrect. It was London. (sighs) Your second question, John. Uh, Number three. What is the vehicle used to deploy the virus disguised as? I know that one.
4: The vehicle to... I'll have to take the
1: options. Okay, is it an ice cream truck, a garbage truck? Oh, yeah, it's a garbage truck. It's a garbage truck for one point. 3-0 the score. (laughs) Joe, 4 through 10 available. I'm just so
0: frustrated already. I knew the first one. I knew the (coughs) third. Excuse me, I knew the third one. Uh, I don't know, 10.
1: Number 10. How much money does Andrea demand from Shield in order to stop her from releasing the virus? A billion dollars. Correct, for two points.
0: So okay. funny. The Austin power is $1 billion. <laughs> uh,
1: so you have a one-point advantage going into the next round, John. Uh, four through nine.
4: I'll uh, take four.
1: How does Zola die? Uh, with Nick's gun. Oh. And what specifically happens with Nick's gun?
4: Uh, it's got that special grip uh, that's only for Nick, and when he when Zola uses it, it turns around and shoots him. It and apparently fires. he blows up go. off stage. I don't know. They don't really show
1: <laughs> it. 5-2 the score. Joe, 5-9. through nine.
0: 9, please.
1: And there's a bonus attached to this one, so you oh, could boy. get 3 points total. Okay. Uh-oh. How does the team get the code to abort the detonation? I'll take the choices. Zola tells them, Kate uses telepathy to get it from Andrea's mind through Clay Quartermain's contact lenses or Alexander hacks the main computer. I'm going to go with telepathy. Telepathy for a point, And the bonus question, what is the last number of the sequence? <laughs> <laughs> nine. No, it was six. Okay, Upside John. Upside down, nine. Penultimate round, five, six, seven, or eight? Uh, Five. What is the name of the actor who plays Val? I looked this up. Uh, Oh, Lisa Rinna? Correct, for two points. Joe, six, seven, or eight?
0: It is always coming, seven, late in the game.
1: (laughs) In which year did the character of Nick Fury first appear in Marvel Comics? Ooh. I don't know. Uh, I'll take the choices. 1950,
0: 1963,
1: 1980 or 1995? Mm, The one in the 1960s. 1963? Yeah. Correct for a point. Six or eight. Final round, John. I'll
4: go with eight.
1: What is the name of the terrorist organization? Oh, wow. <laughs> Hydra. <laughs> Hail Hydra for two points. And Joe, your question, number six. What is behind Nick Fury's eyepatch?
0: Uh, an exploding eyeball.
1: <laughs> Correct, for two points. Uh, you put up six points. That's not an unrespectable score. Uh, but with nine points, John, you are the winner. You have conquered... Nice. This game of Superfan versus Stapes. Congratulations. We will sort you out with your prizes. I need to check on what the situation is regarding German players and what we can give you. I'm assuming that your Pokestars account is registered in yes. Germany. Yeah, it is. Okay. We will make sure you get some prizes. Not sure what they are right now, but suffice to say, you will be compensated, sir.
4: Guys, thanks so much. I just wanted to say you guys do an awesome job. I love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank John. you, John.
1: Thanks. Bitte. Okay, this is as far as you should go if you haven't seen No Time to Die and or don't care about it.
0: That's right. We're going to wrap up the show first. Then it's on to the No Time to Die. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, we're taking a short break. But next time... We've got some exciting stuff coming up to celebrate the Big 20. Look out for details on Discord, all the social media. Follow me at Stapes, James at J underscore Hardigan. Use that Discord to comment on the show. Submit your superfan application. We will be back strong in two weeks. Uh, But for now, that is almost all the time we have got for this week's show. Stay tuned. For talk about No Time to Die, but for everyone else, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton saying, smell you later.
1: And for those of you who haven't bailed yet, final warning, spoilers, because we are going to begin at the end. Because when everyone asks me, what did you think of the Bond movie? I have to start with my initial reaction, which is how I felt coming out of the cinema. Okay. And- If I think about Unimashedly Secret Service, it's a film with a downbeat ending, an emotional ending, and it did affect me. If I think about Casino Royale and Skyfall, I feel the same way. But never before have I had this reaction to a Bond movie. I was in tears. This movie reduced me to a complete wreck. And I do think it is the culmination of even though it was a reboot in 2006 and isn't really part of the same story arc or part of the same series. Nonetheless, the character of James Bond has appeared in 25 movies over the course of the last, near enough, six decades. And I've grown up with this character and they killed him off. Bond is dead. And that affected me. And the fact that they linked it back to that emotional ending, to Majesty's Secret Service, the fact that they used Louis Armstrong's All the Time in the World just hit me in the feels and it really got me really got me
0: in your uh, almost in your mind they killed off all of the james bonds
1: yes more on that later more on that later because i know that there is a number of theories about where the series goes next Um, yeah so that's my the first thing i say to people is it really affected me emotionally and I'm really glad that they went with that ending. I'm glad they pulled the trigger on it. There's a huge risk for the filmmakers to take, but it worked. It stuck, that ending. Um, the rest of the film, I do think, is a mixed bag. I don't think it's perfect yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. No. And its single biggest problem is it's way, way too long and the pacing is off in certain sections, especially the first half.
0: Yeah, so, okay, first of all, did Stapes cry in it? I'm usually the crier in movies. I did not cry at the end of this movie. Wow. Raquel, who has seen, I think, Casino Royale and maybe one other one, was did cry at the end of the movie. Bizarrely, I was emotional, though, right? It wasn't like I didn't care. I thought it was a great ending. I, I was emotional. I was like, am I going to cry? No, it turns out I'm not. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was close, but it definitely was possible. I kind of felt the way at the end of the Bond movie, the way I felt at the end of Logan, when Logan dies. And I was, I cried fucking buckets for that because all Logan ever wanted was to die. And then I almost had that same feeling, but not about Bond, but about Daniel Craig. I was so happy that Daniel Craig was finally free <laughs> of playing James Bond because it really did take a toll on him. You can see yeah. it in, you can see it on film. You can see he is tired. He is old in this movie. Um, And so I thought it was a really cool fitting ending. But yes, I agree with you about the pacing. There were so many strange things about the first hour of this movie that I was super confused about. Uh, The way that they chose to tell the story, the order of it, the way that information got revealed, all the double crosses, like they almost got too cute and too clever with some of this stuff. And if they'd simplified it, it would have been easier to understand.
1: I don't disagree with you at all, Joe. Did you read what I posted on Discord by the way? I did
0: not read it because I hadn't seen it yet when you threw it up there. Sure. What did you say?
1: Um so I did say that I felt the length was a problem and I did feel the plot was over complicated and the villain's motives are unclear and some people like that the fact that the villain doesn't seem to have like an objective other than just to kill people. Um, I do have an issue with that. I think it's it's, it's I don't is, like that aspect. He's supposed clarity. to be Dr. No. No, he's not meant to be Dr. No, but there are obviously, there are shades of that. Interestingly, and not to get too nerdy, the reason why I really like this film is that there is plenty of nods to the books, plenty of nods to Fleming, specifically the novel You Only Live Twice. The Garden of Death, the Japanese Garden of Death is taken straight from You Only Live Twice, um, and Blofeld plays, uh, is in that story and Blofeld is pretending to be a character called Shatterhand and the working title of this movie was Shatterhand so it's clear they were borrowing that okay. plot line um so yes there are uh, allusions between Safin and that version of Blofeld in the novel yes there are allusions between Safin and the uh, screen version of Dr. No um Also, I like the subtle nods to the previous movies. I like the use of the score from Majesty's Secret Service, the Aston Martin from The Living Daylights. Yeah. I will talk about the portraits of former actors who played M later on because, again, it links back to where the series goes next. I liked it in principle, but then I had a fear when I saw something and it clicked.
0: Um, Uh, I actually have a question about the Garden of Death and some of the plot. Now, they end up saying that the thing that's killing everyone this they make it like it's a virus, but then it's nanobots. Yeah. Do you think they changed it to nanobots because of the... No. So no. how are they growing nanobots in a garden? I don't understand. They were, no,
1: no, 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 no. The Japanese Garden of Death is not related to the growing of nanobots. The nanobots are being grown in that, that pool with all the, the, the kind of nuclear rods sticking out of it. I do think the more that you talk about the plot, the more yeah. ridiculous the film becomes. Don't overthink it. Let's focus on the positive here because okay. I, I, I do think that the the, the, the plot is is,
0: is I, just one more one more question about a choice they made. One more question: When Blofeld dies, yes, why do we just turn around and see him dead? Like that was so weird. That was such a bizarre way. To show it, it's like oh, Blofeld. You're like, what? What? What just happened? He did what now? That was I think it's strange, meant to be a right? shock
1: because, by the way, when Bond is choking him by the neck, saying "Die again," taken directly from the novel, you only live twice. But he then stops choking him because Rory Kinnear comes rushing in and tries to stop it. But then the right. next thing we say, oh, he's dead. And I guess the shock is meant to be us as the audience sharing that shock with the characters. Like, well, what happened? We know, of course, that Madeline had the nanobot spray thing, but that's when they realise, oh something's happened here and now she's disappeared and Bond then has to go to Norway to find her. Um, Talking of Norway, let's talk about the start of the film because this film is incredibly dark and is probably the most violent menacing film in the series. That's not a bad thing, by the way. But if you walked into the cinema late and missed the gun barrel logo, you would never guess that the opening scene was taken from a Bond film.
0: Yeah, and I actually really appreciated that. I noticed the same thing when I was watching it. I was like, oh, it's very rare we get to see this much of characters that aren't Bond, that don't have anything to do with like either the villain or with Bond. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. We actually get to see like some of the other things that happen in this world. And I really appreciated that and, and yeah. was riveted.
1: In the same way that Quantum of Solace followed on immediately from the events of Casino Royale, this follows on immediately from the events of Spectre. And I have encouraged people to actually re-watch Spectre before seeing this because it is almost a direct sequel. Which is a difficult price to pay. You say that, but this film actually makes me feel more positive about Spectre. And interestingly, I remember there is a clear scene on the train in Spectre where Bond is giving Madeline a gun and showing her how to use it. She proves that she knows how to use a gun and she says to him... A man once came to my house when I was a child um, looking for my father. He didn't know I was playing upstairs and he didn't know that my father kept a Beretta in the cleaning closet in the kitchen. The flashback scene that opens this movie is referenced in Spectre. So there is a nice bit of foreshadowing in the previous movie. Um, The other thing I actually appreciated more after seeing the film is Billie Eilish's opening song because the lyrics are so specific to how Bond is feeling at that exact moment in time, having been sold on a lie. The idea that, you couldn't trust this person and those lyrics fool me once fool me twice it's happened again he fell in love with Vespa and trusted her now he's fallen in love with this woman and trusted her now we know that she hasn't actually betrayed him that's revealed later in the movie but it's perfect and interestingly I want to reference at this point the Shirley Bassey song that was rejected as the theme to Quantum of Solace which does a similar thing which is very much referencing Bond's state of mind at the start of that movie where he feels betrayed by this woman. Woman and can no longer find solace in the kiss of any woman he finds. It's a great song, check it out by the way. Uh, it is available on all the streaming services. Shirley Bassey's rejected theme to QOS. Um Daniel Craig's brilliant. Leah sadu is brilliant. As much as I like Rami Malek and uh, Lashana Lynch, I didn't think Malek was a particularly strong villain and I don't think that Lashana Lynch was given enough to do. I think they could have done a much better job of setting up the new 007. But this brings me to my single biggest issue with the movie. I fear that they are not going to continue the franchise with Nomi. It very explicitly states at the end of the film, James Bond will return. I would have had 007 will return and I would have kept my options open and I would have kept the audience guessing. It seems to me that there is a desire to do a reboot and I don't know where they go next. Mm. Do you go back in time? Do you do period pieces? Do you do films that are set during the Cold War and are closer to the Fleming books? Do you set it modern day and do what they did with Casino Royale and start again? But you know when I mentioned the scene where Ray Fiennes is looking at the portrait of Dame Judi Dench, and behind him is a portrait of Robert Brown, who played um, M in the Roger Moore Timothy Dalton movies. Yeah, and I imagine, even though it's not in shot, Bernard Lee, who played M during the Connery era, is there as well. Are you basically saying that actually this is all part of the same universe and there are various secret agents over the era who've all been called James Bond who are actually different characters? Because if that's what you're actually trying to tee up, I fucking hate it. Oh, you don't like that? No, I don't. Because to me, it's a very clear timeline that from as ridiculous as it is, as ludicrous as it is, from Connery's first movie... To Pierce Brosnan's last movie, you're basically saying it's the same character. And let's be clear: the Spy Who Loved Me, Bond's marriage to Tracy is referenced at the start of Your Eyes Only. He visits her grave in the, in License to Kill. Felix mentions he was married once. That was a long time ago. There are numerous callbacks and references to this. The idea that this is the same person. So there
0: are there are multiple James Bonds, but three of them are the same James Bond. And Daniel Craig is like the second one.
1: Well, exactly. Daniel Craig is the first point where you have clearly said, this is a reboot. What happened before, that's that canon. Now we're starting a new canon afresh yeah. with this Bond, who is becoming 007 in the modern era. And these five films are their own miniseries, which I think works really well, by the way, as a total yes. series of movies. Agreed. And he has gone out on a high. Unlike Pierce Brosnan and unlike Roger Moore. So credit to Craig for that. But yeah, if they're basically going to say that it's just a name you give to anyone, I don't like it. It should be a character who is fundamentally flawed and is as Fleming wrote that character. I would much rather you say 007 is a a, a code number you can give to anyone, just as they gave it to Lashana Lynch's character in this movie. So I don't know where they go next, but... I thought this was a decent end to Craig's run as Bond. As I said, the ending is fantastic. And overall, I'd say Casino Royale is still my favourite of his movies. It's probably my favourite Bond movie. Skyfall is a close second. This probably ranks third. Then Quantum of Solace. Then Spectre. But let's be honest. They're all better than a lot of the older movies, especially from the Roger Moore era.
0: As a series, it works really well. Endings are hard, as we say on this show, and with lots of things that we know and love, you can love a whole movie and not like the ending. Endings are very hard. This was a great ending. Um, And since we've spoiled everything, I just have one question. Uh, James Bond survives two direct explosions in this movie already. (laughs) What are the chances? Maybe he just didn't even die. Maybe he didn't even die in the, the missile explosion
1: no uh, there's no way he was not disintegrated uh this version of bond whatever that may be yeah. is definitely done and again another reference to the book you only live twice the obit that uh m reads in the office the line from jack london is taken directly from that novel as uh, well
0: one other thing i wanted to mention that we kind of skipped and th- to me the best part of the movie is the the sequence in cuba is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Ana de Armas is awesome. She, she is. She's, she is. It's just, um, it might be my favorite scene in any of the the new Bonds.
1: I have mixed feelings about it because it's a great sequence, but also the film could easily live without it, especially at its bloated length. And I my general feeling on the set pieces in this movie is they're all strong, they're all decent, but there's nothing as original as the parkour chase from Casino no. Royale. Um, no, there's just
0: no way that was going to happen, though, right? With this time around, true. Daniel Craig's like, fuck off. How about I do a scene with Anna De Armas instead?
1: <laughs> yeah, that is true. But overall, I'm not complaining. Um, and I guess we have a few years to wait now before Bond slash 007 returns.
0: It'll be, uh, yeah. So, I, so that's interesting. I think that they're more likely to just reboot it than to add another person and be like oh here's another scottish orphan named james bond
1: I, I, and i would be tempted to do them as period movies and do it in yeah. real kind of like you know 50s 60s style i think that would be really cool uh, imagine if you did them in black and white that would be a really cool series they'd never be that brave but uh, maybe they could do them set um in the era where bond was battling smersh rather than Spectre. Anywho, Joe, we are out of time. We are going to discuss more Bond in coming weeks. Casino Royale 15th anniversary coming up. Big 20 stuff coming up. But now we can say goodbye to all the people who've stuck with us till the very, very end.
0: Smell you later. For real.